Welcome to Paradigm Swap, a podcast about seeing the world with new vision without losing the old one. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author, musician, and podcaster. Now today's episode, we're going to talk about something that I'm a little bit hesitant to approach for the simple reason that I do not want to convey the idea that I'm trying to preach to you or convert you. Okay, but we have talked in the last three episodes about my newest mindset, my newest paradigm that I had, that I'm still adopting and learning and trying on. And today I would like to talk about what might be the oldest paradigm in my life, or at least the one that has been the most consistent paradigm, that I've continually come back to this paradigm, and that is the paradigm of the gospel of Jesus Christ as taught through the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, in general, as I have mentioned, this is not intended as a religious podcast, but it is intended to be spiritual, uh, mental, physical, emotional, it's, it's intended to see the world with new vision without losing the vision that we've previously had. So the things in your life that you see the world certain ways and you see certain things and certain aspects that are unique to you, that are unique to particular uh, backgrounds, um, I want to introduce as many of these different kinds of paradigms that are out there as I can. And there's infinite. So there's no end to it. But I want to introduce the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to you because it is the one that has had the biggest impact on my life. And another reason I need to bring this up early in the podcast, we're on episode what, five, I think, is because it, it will come back. It will come back often, just like we talked about business, uh, the uh, wealth mindset in the previous podcasts, that will come up again. Abundance mindset is going to come up again and again. And if you have that paradigm to put on, then you're more deeply empowered to see what it is that I'm looking at. And hopefully it will offer you a new perspective. Now, if you are not familiar with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it is what is known by some as the Mormon Church. And if you are confused by that in thinking that it is one of these religions that churn their own butter and don't use technology, that is called the either the uh, Mennonites or Amish. And if you look deeper into those they're not as technologically backward as you might think, but that's beside the point. Please don't confuse us with them. Also, don't confuse the church with polygamist groups. Now, the church does have polygamy in its history that ended well over 100 years ago, but um, it still comes up today for a number of reasons. One, it is in our history. And number two, it, there are polygamist groups out there that were breakoffs of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And while some of 
them are bigger than others. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints far surpasses in size, in number, and influence than any of those break-off or fundamentalist groups. So please don't confuse the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with polygamist groups, with Mennonite or Amish groups. I don't want to speak um, less of any of those. Um, I just don't know enough about them to offer them as a particular paradigm for me. But I can say that the paradigm that I have received because of my membership and study, active, constant study of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, its doctrines, its teachings, its scriptures, the prophetic words, they have changed my life over and over and over and over again. And so I can't, I can't give you the concept of paradigms without at least introducing this one. If you're familiar with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, nothing that you hear today will be a surprise. But if you're new to it, if you're not familiar with it, I want you to listen carefully. I know it's tempting to say, oh, religion, whatever. But as we talk about other things such as near-death experiences in future podcasts, because that's another paradigm that I find very enlightening, And as we talk about spirituality, as we talk about um, scripture, you know, study of, of spiritual writings and so forth, these are the the writings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I consider some of the most powerful ever um, written and, and the more, more influential in my own life for sure than just about anything else that I've ever read. So let me, let me give a little background, okay? The founder of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, his name is Joseph Smith, Jr. He was 14 years old when he had his first spectacular experience that led to the founding of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm not going to go into great detail about it, except to say that for a couple of years, as a 12, 13-year-old, he was deeply struck uh, religiously by the, the things going on around him. He was living in an area where revivalism was huge and, you know, there was just this constant grab out there, uh, you know, revival tents and, and uh, you know, people trying to pull people in as converts and so forth. To Joseph, it was extremely confusing. And he would go to one and and ask about them, and he'd go to another, ask about them, and he just didn't know who to believe. He read from the Bible. He hadn't read it through all the way in his life yet, but he'd read the Bible and and see, well, how can all of these churches have such different outcomes doctrinally, and yet they're all operating from the same Bible? They're all operating from the same paradigm of being followers of Jesus Christ. Why are there so many churches? Why do they disagree with each other so vehemently? Why are we not all seeing things the same? And, of course, they weren't, as they're not today. And there is today becoming a little bit more openness between the religions And for somebody to say, I'm Episcopalian, and the other to say, I'm Baptist, and the other to say, I'm Methodist, or whatever, there's not as much of a stigma 
to being in a different religion as there was back in Joseph's day, but there is still some, much more than there has to be. However, this was the situation that uh, Joseph Smith found himself in, and one day he was introduced to a verse of scripture. Some suggest that he found it in his own reading. There are others that suggest he heard it in a sermon by a favorite, uh, by a, a favorite Methodist preacher who he hadn't converted to Methodism, but he really looked up to this preacher and, and, and that a lesson was given on the scripture James 1, 5, which is, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. And when Joseph read those words, or heard those words, and went to his own Bible, or his family's Bible, and read those words again and again, they struck him so deeply that he says, never did any passage of Scripture enter the heart of man like this did to this time at mine. He said it entered with great force into every fiber of my person, or of my being. And when something strikes you that deeply, it means something. It's more than just an emotional reaction. It is your being, your spirit, your soul telling you, there is something here for you. And anybody who's had that experience of being touched that deeply knows that you act on it. And so he came to the conclusion that either he's going to have to just remain in confusion and darkness and lost, confused about what's going on, or he would have to do exactly as the scripture says, to ask of God. And that if it's true, he thought, if it's true that God gives liberally without upbraiding, which means scolding, if, if he gives liberally without scolding, maybe it was worth a try. Now, Joseph was familiar with prayer. His family had had prayers, and he had personal prayers. But one thing he hadn't tried in all of his struggling to find the truth, to find out which church he should join, was to go somewhere privately where he could speak out loud his prayer. Now, I don't want you to get hung up on this idea of speaking a prayer out loud, but for Joseph... This was something he had not tried yet. And he was like, you know what? I will try anything. So I'm going and I'm going to ask God. And I'm going to do it sincerely and absolutely with, with pure heart and pure intent. You know, he was, he was just going saying like, I am asking God. And so he planned out a place and a time to go. He went on a beautiful spring morning. It was in, we, we don't know the day or the month. I'm guessing somewhere around April, based on his description of the grove of trees that he went into in the forest near his home. And he knelt down and he began to pray. And he spoke out loud his prayer. Well, as he began to speak, he heard something in the woods. It sounded like walking. He also felt uh, eerie frightening kinds of feelings. But he continued to try to pray. This was important to him. And again, he heard the walking in the woods. Again, he heard there was something out there and he didn't know what. 
and it freaked him out. He kind of jumped to his feet. and It's like, you know, who's out there? <laughs> What's going on? But again, no reaction. So he knelt down and prayed again. And this time, with the walking, he something overcame him. Something dark and deep and otherworldly overtook his entire being, such that he was, felt as though he was succumbing to darkness and despair and fear and anguish. All of the negative things were pouring out upon him such that he felt powerless. His tongue tied up in his mouth, swelled up in his mouth, I think is the way he described it, so that he couldn't even talk. And something dark was overtaking him. He said, this was no imaginary thing. This was some being from the unseen world who had a greater power over me than anything I have ever felt before. And so at this moment when he's just absolutely sunk into this deep, dark something that is overtaking him and he is crying out with all of his heart, whatever he could get out with his mouth, I don't know, but he was crying out in his heart for sure, please God, deliver me. As he prayed, the forest around him filled with light. At first it was coming down almost like the sun in, in the middle of the day pushing through the trees, you know, as it moves through the sky and, and finds an opening to shine down. Uh, at least this is the way I'm picturing his description. Uh, he, he describes the light coming down and eventually resting upon him. And he says, when the light rested upon me, all the darkness, all the fear, all the despair, every ounce of darkness vanished. It swept away. It was completely chased away by this light. But also the moment that the light rests on Joseph, he sees two personages, two people. It's interesting that he says personages and not people. I'm not exactly sure why, whether they were just so enveloped in light that he couldn't call them people because he couldn't see their faces very particularly clearly, or whether it was because this is just the language of the day, but he says he saw two personages of glory and brightness like nothing he'd ever seen. The fear, you know, he, he had a sense of fear at first for a moment, but it was only for a moment before he was filled with indescribable love. And of course, he is absolutely overcome by this. These two beings come down and they stand in front of him, above him in the air, in the forest. Describing it later, he, he says at the time he was a little bit surprised that the trees didn't catch fire because they appeared to be in glorious white fire and, and they didn't seem to be consumed by it. And he was slightly puzzled by that, but also very distracted <laughs> because of these beings in front of him. And one of them reaches out his hand, pointing to the other with his arm and says, Joseph, this is my beloved son. Hear him. And then Jesus Christ, as Joseph later identified him, describes to him 
much of the situation of the day and, and tells him, I am the Lord of glory. And just describes some, some different things, um, basically saying that the world lies in sin right now and light will be returning and so forth. But he, when Joseph finally gets a hold of himself, is able to kind of get his composure a little bit and, and has the sense to ask him, which church should I join? He is told, none of them. And at that point, Joseph is given instruction, basically that I'm, I've got work for you to do, but it's not the time for it yet. In the meantime, don't join any of the churches. And so, after this glorious experience, and he, even after it's done, he's laying there on the ground, and it takes him two hours to be able to even get up off the ground. He's so overcome with love, with exhaustion, and with just this sense of just glorious beauty and peace and love and acceptance that came from the two beings that it, it just knocked him flat for two hours. And then he finally heads home. Now that is the beginning of the story. We can go on and talk about later how an angel appeared to him three years later, actually. He had to wait three years before getting any other communication from heaven. Remember, he was 14 years old at the time. All he was told is, don't join any of the churches. I'll keep you posted, is basically what he was told. And so he's true to that. And he kind of tells a few people that he's closest to about his experience. And outside of his family, he's rejected. Even this Methodist pastor friend of his that he looked up to, to so highly. He came in to him and related the experience to him, thinking he's going to be so excited to hear that there is revelation again today, that God is still appearing to people. But the response is not only a light, you know, treating it like, oh, no, that's just a dream. But he actually is very contemptuous about it. He's he says, that is of the devil. Don't you ever talk about it again, basically, is what he tells him. And Joseph's blindsided by this, this you know, the vehemence, again, of, of the uh, uh, fire behind this friend of his, his words. And so he kind of keeps it to himself, for the most part, shares it with some few. But he, he finds that the word gets out. And it's, and it's leading to a great deal of persecution. Anyway, it's three years before he has another experience. And in this one, he is introduced to an angel named Moroni, who was an ancient prophet of the American continent. Now, I don't know if that means North America, South America, Central America, you know, just from this region of the world, I guess you could say. And, uh, and about how there is a book of scripture that is ready for translation. And that God had a work for Joseph to do in translating that. Now, we could go into great detail about translation process and, and the, the beginning of preaching about this new, this new 
these new teachings that were coming out and so forth. But that is the origin story of, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And the scriptures that were introduced by this angel Moroni was the book called the Book of Mormon. If you've heard of it, that's where it came from. And when Joseph translated it by the gift and power of God, which would take a whole podcast talking about how the details of how that transpired and so forth. But suffice it to say, Joseph was given a deep revelatory gift to be able to receive messages from the other side, from God and from his messengers. And that is how the doctrines, the scriptures, the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints came to be. It was through direct revelation from God. Now, lest you think that the Book of Mormon is a book containing just, you know, the words of God in revelation, like you might um, see, you know, the Book of John or something, uh, not, sorry, not the Book of John, the Book of Revelation, you know, where it's this big revelation or something like that. The Book of Mormon is a history and it's not just a history book. It's a it's a religious, spiritual book, but it's it's the history of a people and their connection to God and their their own revelations, their own experiences with wickedness and righteousness and and so forth. It, it, it's it's an epoch of the time uh, from about 600 B.C. to about 400 A.D on the American continent. We're exactly on the American continent. We don't have to get into because there's lots of debate about that. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But the point is here on this hemisphere um, is where this uh, Book of Mormon is taking place. And a lot of the teachings in the Book of Mormon, and it feels very biblical when you read it. It feels very biblical in the sense of, of the kinds of experiences people are having you know, uh, conversions by angels, by by visions, um, by preaching, and by miraculous, beautiful, loving stories of of just the uh, the incredible things that that the people experience. It's a beautiful, beautiful book, and I highly recommend it. And uh, if you're used to New International Version of the Bible and other modern versions of the Bible, you may find the language a little bit harder to follow. If you're used to the King James language of the Bible, you're going to find the Book of Mormon quite easy to understand and read. It's, it's not as um, severe in its, in its oldness, and <laughs> the language oldness, as the King James Bible but it's got sufficient in it, you know, some these and thous and things like that, that that may be a little bit new to you if you're only used to the modern versions of the Bible. But I don't think you'll have too much trouble understanding it. It's It's just kind of a, you know, something to be aware of. But anyway... Let me. That's that's the story of the, of the origins of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Okay, let me tell you a little bit about my story. I grew up uh, to parents who grew up members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints and lived faithful to it all the, all their lives. They they grew up being taught these principles, and they taught their children these principles 
I being one of those children. In fact, all of my brothers and sisters have been taught and still stand strong by the doctrines and teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, um, but let me tell you a little bit about my own personal conversion. Because just like any Christian knows, you can be taught about Jesus all your life, but until you accept him as your personal Savior, it's still just a beautiful story. Sometimes a frightening story, depending on what you're, where you're going with it. But until you have your own conversion, it's not full. It's not real. So let me tell you a little bit about mine. I had many experiences as a kid, um, hearing from teachers and so forth, store these stories from the scriptures, from you know uh, modern day prophets, from you know from the church about everything from miracles to to answers to prayer to um, you know uh, how Christ gave his life for us and and so forth and how we can return to live with our heavenly father all of this was what i grew up on it was my native air if you will and uh it wasn't until i was about 12 years old that something clicked in me and i wanted to know more something struck me and i just wanted to know all i could about God, about Jesus Christ, about his work in the latter days, about what kind of relationship I could have with God, about who God is, about what his expectation for my life is. And so I began to study in ways that I could only do as a 12-year-old ADHD boy. Okay, I I looked at the pictures. I tried to read the uh, <laughs> scriptures, and I did read the scriptures, not cover to cover because it was just a bit much for me yet at that time, but I was reading them, and I would pray, and I would watch church videos, and I would, you know, listen carefully at church. Believe me, at 12 years old, I was actually listening, and I was trying to understand, and I was coming out of my goofball stage where I'm goofing off at church in primary and so forth. I think there was something about going into, going from, in, in case you don't know the uh, structure of how the church operates, um, it, up until age 12, I'm basically in primary school, which is, you know, every Sunday we go to church and, you know, we have this sacrament meeting, which is kind of a communion meeting where you have somebody speak and you share the sacrament, bread and water, you know, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And then you would go to class, which from zero to 12, basically, you're in primary, which is kid class where they teach you the stories and sing a lot of songs and all this. I enjoyed it, but I also goofed off, goofed off a lot in, in church. I had to be separated from other kids or the teacher would would, you know, have to have to tap on me and say, hey, hey, be quiet, you know, and stuff all the time, all the time. But something clicked when I turned 12 and you know, I was no longer in primary. Now I was in young men or young women class where I would, where we'd sit in class and, and they would teach for an entire hour, two hours, really, um, two separate hours, you know, uh, one with other young men and one with combined 
young men and young women. And um, it was at that time that I really started to get curious. I really started to get interested. And it was for a couple of years that I was searching. I was digging. I was interested. And I wanted to know more. And as I sought these things, I remember a particular Sunday school teacher talking about the story of Joseph Smith, which I'd heard dozens of times, and uh, hundreds of times, really. And he's talking about this in a way that I could sense that he really felt it. And he turned to us, and he looked me in the eyes, and he said, I want you to know that I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. And when he said that, it opened in me a hunger that I knew would only be filled by my own personal knowledge of that truth. And I don't know that I set out on a quest consciously. I don't know that I was, that, you know, it was like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to find out. I don't think I had that much in mind, but it began a very deep quest of mine that ever after when I would hear somebody say, I know that this church is true, or I know that Joseph Smith saw God and Jesus Christ. I know that the Book of Mormon is true. When they would say these things, my heart would listen, and my ears would listen, and my eyes would rivet on them to see what is it that they have that they know. How do they do that? How do they know? And as part of the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we are all instructed, seek this knowledge out for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. Go and pray to God. Ask him yourself. Read the scriptures for yourself. Pray and ask if they are true. So at some point, I can't remember, I wish I could, exactly my age. Maybe I could check my journals, because I, I, and I probably do have it recorded in my journals. But sometime between the ages of 13 and 14, I, I, I think I was 14. I think I was 14 at the time, if I recall correctly. I'd, I'd had this hunger and this longing and this interest in, in the gospel, in, in God and Jesus Christ. But I didn't yet have knowledge for myself. But at the age of about 14, as I remember it, I did. I set out and I prayed and I asked God, is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints true? Was Joseph Smith truly a prophet of God? And at the moment, I only felt a very gentle peace, you know, kind of a, yeah, yeah, that's good. You know, it was, it was very mild. But the next day, Something struck me as I got up in the morning. It was it was at night when I went to bed, when I prayed. And I don't know if I had a dream that I forgot. I don't know if I, if, if there was something that happened. But as I was um, getting up in the morning, I may have even been writing in my journal, as I wrote in my journal, just this overwhelming, absolute certainty came over me. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is true. It is God's kingdom on the earth today, and Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. And the feeling was so strong and so powerful, I couldn't deny it. 
And for years after that, I held to that memory. And then many years later again, I had another experience where I was wanting to, I don't know how old I was, maybe 16, I I can't remember for sure, but I was wanting to be sure that I was on track with God, basically. I wanted to know if I was okay with Him, if I was doing the right things, and, and so forth. I was, by this time, I was reading the scriptures regularly, like daily. I was reading the scriptures every day. I can't remember if I had started reading the Book of Mormon itself every day as well, or if it was just, you know, back and forth between the Bible, Book of Mormon, what, I don't know. But I was reading the scriptures daily, and I was praying every day, and I was seeking, and I was digging, and I was researching, and I'd seek out books on tape that I could find on on various topics. I would, you know, because again, I, I liked listening. I was an ADHD kid, and reading was a little bit hard for me, but I would do it for this because it meant that much to me. And as I was hungering and wanting to know my stand before God, I knew there were things that I was coming short on in my life. I knew I had mistakes. I knew I had sins. I knew I had things I had to repent of, and so I did. I set out at night, and I repented, and I prayed, and I asked forgiveness, and just, just, uh, you know, prayer to know what my standing before God was. And as I lay down in bed to go to sleep, the most beautiful, overwhelming love and compassion and sense of just absolute worth and absolute love came over me such that, you know, and my eyes were closed because I was trying to, you know, lay down to sleep at the time. But even the the swirls of color that just pass over um, the vision as you try to go to sleep, we're beginning to, to brighten and deepen into almost like swirls of light. I was not seeing light, but I was feeling light. And it was, it was somehow projecting into my vision to some level. And I was almost prepared to open my eyes and expect to see an angel or expect to see God or see something because I just felt such deep love come over me. It was almost like heaven itself was saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And there was no two ways about it. I couldn't deny what I was feeling. I couldn't deny my experience. So from then on, I continued to just deeply look into the doctrines of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And let me give you the core places that you go, because these are the places that I went that just filled me. And every time I'd be listening to a chapter from the Book of Mormon, or the Bible, or a, a general conference talk, I would be, I would feel just this yes, yes, yes feeling as I was listening. So first off, the Book of Mormon that will give you the most unique aspect to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, kind of the keystone of the religion, if you will. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of everything, and he is the very message of the Book of Mormon. So don't, don't be confused by that. Don't uh, 
think that you know the Book of Mormon is more important than Jesus or something. That's kind of like saying that the Bible is more important than Jesus. No, the Bible is the message of Jesus. You know, that's it, it, it's on that same plane that way. But um, reading the Book of Mormon, reading the New Testament, and listening to the talks of General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you go to churchofjesuschrist.org and click on, I think it's like library, and then general conference. What the general conferences are, they're conferences where the leaders of the church, particularly the prophet and the twelve apostles, which is the leading two bodies of the church, speak to the members of the church. They teach doctrine, they teach... um, they give inspirational messages and stories to encourage and teach principles and so forth. If you listen to the General Conference uh, talks of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and you read the scriptures, the Book of Mormon, you can listen to them now too. They're all available on audio. Book of Mormon, the New Testament, um, you, you will see what I was experiencing you will get a sense for what I was feeling, I think, because I I spent years after that just studying everything I could get my hands on, everything I could put into my ears about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that began the, uh, the quest of a lifetime to understand God and to understand Jesus Christ, his role in my life, in the plan of salvation for all people and so forth. And that conviction has never fully left me. And in fact, it, it is revitalized often through the years. Now, I can't say that I have never had doubts, that I have never had questions, that I've never had concerns about things. As, you know, I mean, I was a deep study. I would get in there and read everything I could find. And you can find a lot of stuff that that makes it difficult to understand why somebody would follow the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, like we talked about, the things of plural marriage, polygamy, um, some of the issues around race and around, um, you know, priesthood and, and so forth. They're difficult topics to study when you have a deep conviction of the truth of this church. But I'd study them. I would study them because I wanted to know everything. I wanted it all. Nothing was short of, of uh, what I wanted to know. So, so long as it reflected truth. I didn't want to read lies. There was no point in reading what people were saying about the church that was just to tear it down. But honest criticisms? Absolutely. Honest questions about history? Yes. I would read that stuff. And I still do today. And I have had questions and I have had doubts at times. But I keep coming back and I keep uh, finding, you know what, there are some things I won't understand. And that's okay. Because as I understand what I do, I'm comforted in the understanding that the things that I don't understand are mostly things that really aren't a big deal to our situation today. It's not to say that they are not things that somehow need to be understood sometime in eternity. Of course they do. Of course they do. But does it have to be this life? 
No, of course not. You know, it, when you have a question of, say, for example, you have a loved one who strayed away from the truth and they even outright rejected it, but you love this person and you care about this person and they do all the bad things that you know you, they're not supposed to do and then something happens and they die. Well, what's going to happen to them? Are they going to suffer a judgment that is, you know, um, unbearable uh, in some way? Well, my understanding is no. But are they going to be able to have the exalted glory that those who stay faithful to the truth have? Well, probably not. So where do you close that gap between what you want for the these people that you love and what's available, what's even possible, and so forth. That's challenging. And then questions like, for example, why are women not allowed to hold the priesthood? I don't know why that is. I don't know why. It, it's not because of any particular person or group of people who were against it, but it's been the doctrine from the beginning, or at least the teachings from the beginning, the, the practice that we've had from the beginning. Why is that the case? I don't know for sure, but I stand by it. I stand by it, not fully understanding it. And I don't blame anyone for being upset by it. I can't, I can't say, no, you shouldn't be upset about that. You shouldn't have your own feelings about that. <laughs> well, that doesn't mean anything for me to object to somebody's feelings or even their own opinion about it. And so I don't. I don't object at all. I just don't share their dissatisfaction. I have. I share the question. I certainly share the uh, curiosity and the interest and occasionally the doubts a little bit creep in. But I always come back to that feeling, that knowledge of what I have been given by God the assurances he's given me, this is true. And when God tells you something, it takes a lot more than hell to take it from you, if you know what I mean. And it certainly takes more than what the earth can do to take it from you. So anyway, I just offer that up as a, uh, as a perspective as we go about these paradigms, this is one of them that is the strongest for me. And it will come up again and again and again because it is such a big part of who I am. I stand by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on every issue. And I believe and firmly have a conviction that it is true. I don't understand all of why things are done as they're done, but I do hold a conviction that God does know why and that God does know what he's doing with his church. If you are interested in finding out more about this paradigm, more about what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is all about, I recommend you go to churchofjesuschrist.org. No spaces, no dashes, churchofjesuschrist.org. You can also get there by just typing lds.org, 
LDS stands for Latter-day Saints, which is shortened version for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Latter-day Saints being LDS. So LDS.org gets you there very quickly and easily. It redirects to churchofjesuschrist.org. So if you want to know more about that, go there, check it out. You're welcome to also contact me and ask me questions. My email is chaz, that's C-H-A-S, at willowrise.com. W-I-L-L-O-W-R-I-S-E.com. Tell me where you're coming from. I have another podcast called the Near Death Experience Podcast. And, uh, and so, you know, if you just say I'm a podcast listener and I was curious about this, you're probably going to want to say I'm a listener of your podcast Paradigm Swap and I have a question about this. That will just clarify who I'm talking to and so forth. And, and so anyway, you can support Paradigm Swap Podcast by going to patreon.com slash chazhathaway. That's C-H-A-S-H-A-T-H-A-W-A-Y. And I would love to hear from you guys. Email me, C-H-A-S at willowrise.com to hear what kinds of things you would like to hear more of. Contact me if you have a particular paradigm that you think would be worth mentioning on here and talking about. Um, and I would be glad to talk about it. So once again, thank you again so much for listening.